Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. The date, May 8th, the year 2020. And not a ton going on with the Cavs, but shout out Sasha Cowan. Celebrating his birthday today, the former University of Kansas standout. One year with the Cavs, and he retired. He got his ring. Happy birthday, Sasha. I hope you're doing well. It's a short little mailbag segment today. Appreciate the submissions. I'll be tagging everybody that asked a question in the comments after I post this, but here we go. So we're going to start off first question. Uh, how long until the Cavs are a playoff contender again? I think one to two years. I think that they're building the right way. They got a coach in JB Bickerstaff. That's another question. We're going to talk about JB more, but I think he's a good fit here. Got some good options on the table with players they already have, you know, depending on what happens in free agency, what happens with Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, assuming everyone comes back. Larry Nance is that first big off the bench. You know, they figure out what to do with Garland, Sexton, and Porter, and that starting small forward spot. They draft well. I think it could be next year. I don't think they get in next year. I think that two to three years from now, the Cows will be good enough to compete for the second or third round in the East, and there's some great teams. Nets got Kyrie and KD, you got the Bucks. you got the Heat after a great season. 76ers still have Simmons and Embiid, they're always dangerous. Pacers are just a defensively stellar team, they're going to have a healthy Oladipo again soon. I mean, you got some, some great ones in the East, the Bulls and Hawks are going to be up and coming very soon if they play their cards right, and the Wizards getting John Wall back to go with Bradley Beal, they were one game away from the conference finals just three years ago, so looking at all that, I think Cavs are a couple years away from being a playoff contender, and, you know, it's not that crazy. Collin is going to be sensational. Good young talent. Again, they draft high this year. They have several second-round picks they can always use to package. I mean, they're going to get Dylan Wingler next year. Don't sleep on them. Should the Cavs keep Andre Drummond? Absolutely yes. No-brainer. I mean, he he only played eight games for the Cavs this year. It kind of stinks that it's such a small sample. He proved he could score. At times, his defense was shaky, but you know, overall, he gives a great effort. He's got a little handle for a center, which is nice. Finish around the rim. He's basically a taller version of Tristan that can score more effectively. He's got a nice low post back to the basket game. He's a solid outlet passer. I'm mean, going to learn more from Kevin Love. So, yeah, keep Andre Drummond. I see no reason to let him, let him go. $28 million for next year, and then figure out a new number for two years from now. And... Will Kevin Love finish his career with the Cavs? I highly doubt that. And this this contract has several more years on it, three more years. And this contract uh, will not be taking him to the end of his career. I think he's got one or two more to sign, one or two-year deals after this ends, and he's in his mid to late 30s. I can see Kevin Love playing eight more years the way he shoots. He keeps his body in great shape, takes care of himself. Eventually, he'll probably transition to a... You know, stretch four, potential super small ball five. You know, maybe the Houston Rockets 
debate trading for him next season. You never know. He could fit what they want, even playing small ball, you know, a little bigger. Kevin Love had an unsuccessful year at center for the Cavs a few years back. Definitely didn't like that. I didn't love the lineup. If you're playing 2K, go ahead, slide him at center. It's perfect. Real life's very different. Hope he has a great career ahead of him. I hope he makes the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. But I do not believe there's any chance that he finishes career in Cleveland unless he gets traded, goes elsewhere, and decides kind of what Channing Fry did when he's done being a, continue, a consistent part of the rotation and he just wants to retire with a year with the Cavs. I mean, I, I could see that happening. Scotty Pippen did that in Chicago. He was a little washed up at the end. Other guys have done the same thing. Allen Iverson finished with the Sixers, so you know, but he started. It's a different circumstance. You never know. So, all right, what is your opinion of J.B. Bickerstaff? Uh, this commenter also says, this is uh, at, at Bodacious Beer on Twitter. I happen to love him as a young assistant, not sure as a head coach. Uh, I like him a lot. I think that J.B. Bickerstaff is here to stay. Uh, from what I gather and what I, what I read, researched, after he got the head coaching job with the Cavs, Stayed close with David Fisdale even after he took the head coaching job. You know, they was uh, Fisdale was in JB's wedding, and Fisdale and him always talked about what to do, how to best manage the team in the year first year that he spent with the Grizzlies. I mean, a guy like David Fisdale just hasn't had the success as a head coach you'd like to see, whether or not with the Knicks or the Grizzlies after a great run in Miami. But JB's a great leader of men. His dad Bernie still high up with the Cavs. He spent a long time as a head coach in this league. He was the uh, first coach of the Charlotte Bobcats, and they came into the league. He just has great pedigree, and obviously he got that from his dad. He's fantastic at managing relationships and and you know getting along with everybody. That in itself makes a great head coach. You know, there's no divide. I think his message is clear. I like what JB Bickerstaff brings to the table. I think he's going to be a standout head coach for the Cavs, and potentially by the time his tenure's over, may have a coach of the year or two to his resume. I mean, I wouldn't call it that crazy. He had a tough, tough job in Memphis last year. Obviously, they bounced back under Taylor Jenkins. Different roster, different makeup, different direction, different style of play. Like what JB does, and I think the guys on the team have also bought in. So to answer the question, I have a high opinion of JB, and I think he's going to succeed in a monumental way as the coach of the Cavs. Next question. Why has national media fixated on getting Kevin Love to leave pretty much ever since he got to Cleveland? Yeah, I don't know. This is from James C. Taylor at Lightning711. I'm going to shout out Paul Becerra for the first three questions at Paul underscore Ryan15. James, uh, it it's really baffles me. Every year that LeBron was here, there were rumors after year one of them trading Kevin Love for something else. I mean, there were rumors of trading him for Clay Thompson. Draymond Green actually squashed those himself, apparently. He told Steve Kerr, no way. I'm not sure. He's been a good fit for the Cavs. He's a good rebounder. I mean, I, I can't see what he'll do better than what he's done as a rebounder, you know, as a back-to-the-basket guy, as a third scorer. Kevin Love has been a great fit in Cleveland. And even now, he was hurt last year, but he's come back this season. I thought he had a wonderful year. Uh, I mean... He's getting his double-doubles. He's passing it well. He's hitting clutch shots like he did against the Spurs. I really don't care that much about the blow-up with Colin Sexton. As human beings, we've all been fed up. We've all been aggravated before. And I'm sure it's a, it's a small thing. He lost his temper. He just happens to be under a microscope. Everything he does is looked at with such a critical eye because he's a player. 
on a basketball team in a league that that generates an unbelievable amount of revenue. So they also need news. You know, they need to keep things going. And there's always drama in this league. I love it. I always will. Always love the Cavs. Always will. But it's full of drama. So one thing, one little Kev, this is literally like you're at work. You're working a desk job. The, the guy next to you is having a bad day. So maybe he loses his temper on you or he loses his temper on the boss. Well, you, you don't want to do that. He'll get fired. You know what I mean. <laughs> you don't want... You don't want that one thing to, to dictate how he is. Him and Colin are close. He's close with the whole team from what we gather. Social media doesn't paint the whole picture, although it's close just more than it ever has. Kevin follows everyone on the team. They interact. He and Colin like each other's posts, and they were the ones that supposedly had the beef. And was he one of the veterans that anonymously said Colin's not ready for the NBA last year? I don't know. He'll be here. The media just needs something to talk about. Trading Kevin Love was always one of those things. He'll be here. As long as he's here and if he gets traded, I'll be sad. But I know it might be for the good of the team. If he's here, it could also be for the good of the team. The way he plays. He plays the power forward spot well with Larry Nance. I love Kevin Love. Always have. Always will. All right, next question from at Dog Pound Season, S-E-N. The Cavs have the top pick in the draft. The top three prospects you would take. My number one guy hasn't changed. It's Anthony Edwards. Love the way he scores. I still think... He can slot in as a starter at the three spot, maybe even the two, as a guy that can score 15 to 25 a night. Love what he does. I love what he brings to the table. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of his game. I haven't watched a ton of his highlights or his live games. I don't watch that much college ball, but I keep up enough to know what's happening. For Personally speaking, I like Anthony Edwards. I like how he shoots. I think that putting another Georgia kid on the team is also going to be good. You know, pair him with Colin, you know, the Georgia duo. Great things to come. Second, probably Obi Toppin, player of the year. So also obviously be staying in state, having just played at Dayton. And the, the, the area of Dayton, you know, the city, town, they've produced some great basketball talent over the years. Not the university per se, although they've had some good ones. I think Obi Toppin is a stellar player. He can fit in at several positions in Cleveland. I think that would be awesome if he could bring his two-way game as a solid perimeter and paint defender and then as a score to to us and third is the guy I wanted originally James Wiseman Kyrie played nine games in college and the Cavs still got him Darius Garland played five games in college Cavs still got him Kyrie went one Darius went five don't think the number of games you play in college is indicative of where you go in the draft injured or not Wiseman's a terrific big this depends on what they want to do with Tristan and with with Andre but I like what Wiseman would bring as a big man. I think good things would be coming to the city if he was selected, depending on what they did. If they want to keep Tristan and Andre, don't waste this pick on a big man. You want to get a guard-forward combo, maybe a slasher, a scorer. So that's why I want Edwards. And Toppin could play both forward spots, and maybe even center a little bit. But, yeah, Wiseman would be the ideal big if uh, the Cavs don't want both those guys back. And final question, if you're watching the Michael Jordan documentary, which I am, Thoughts on the 90s Cavs and the shot. I mean, I've loved seeing the Cavs on there. The Cavs-Bulls game. It's too bad, though. The Cavs went 29-53 and 53 in that one year where Jordan got to the playoffs as an 8 seed and set the world on fire with a 60-plus point game against the Celtics in a game they lost. But, no, it's been great. I mean, I talked to Mark Price uh, back in March. We spoke about the shot. And... 
I didn't know that Craig Eagle had made a layup right before Michael Jordan hit the jumper on him to end the game. So we would have been singing a different tune. Craig Eagle would have been hit, would have hit the big one for the city and for the team. Obviously, it didn't go that way. It was a wild game, that one in itself, and that's a defining moment of Cavs and Bulls. But I guess that was the end of the 80s. But you know, still, the shot was insane. I mean, Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. And the Cavs have had this, have the second greatest basketball player of all time. Played 11 years with them, seven in one stint, four in another. MJ is just too good, and just seeing any bit of the Cavs in this documentary has definitely been great. Growing up as a fan in the early 2000s, I wasn't as in tune with the Cavaliers of days past. Obviously, when you grow up as a young kid, you're not researching the history of the team. You're watching the guys that are on the court now, so I've loved learning more. And through the documentary, through conversations with both Cedric Henderson and Mark Price, I love seeing the documentary as a whole is amazing. But you now seeing the Cavs in there, Mark, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Elo, you know, it's de- definitely been fun. And looking forward to more of the doc. I'm not sure if we're going to get any more Cavs in the next four episodes, but looking forward to seeing how it goes. But final question here from Chandler Adams. You've had Mark Price on. When do we get Booby? That's Booby Gibson, hopefully soon. And, you know, we'll see if. That ends up happening. I'm hoping to get that. will be great to get Daniel Gibson. He had the best rookie performance in Cavs playoff history. 31 points, game six against the Pistons. Cavs Twitter lets you know every three days. So love what he brings, love what he brought, and obviously transitioned to a career in music. We'd love to have the chance to talk to Booby G. Thank you, Chandler. And that'll do it for this uh, brief edition of Across the Cavs. I'm your host, Zach Weiss. Catch us next time.